You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Steve Miller. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. I have this idea that art should be in the world in as many forms and ways as possible. And I love communicating with skate, you know, skate decks and it, it partially started out in Brazil because what I was doing in Brazil is, you know, x-raying Amazon, uh, animals in the Amazon. And I thought, well, there was this idea in the old days that you would go to the Amazon, you'd kill an animal, you'd stuff it, you'd bag it, and then you'd have this, like, trophy, right, of, of your kill. And... I was thinking, well, I was actually, the alligators that we x-rayed were alive, and I got them from, actually from a zoo in a town called Belém, B-E-L-E-M, which means Bethlehem in Portuguese, Mm -hmm. Belém, and the alligators are alive. I thought like, well, wow, we're not going to kill these alligators to, you know, get our images, and I, and water is a really important concept in Brazil. It's also have thousands of miles of beaches and the surfboard is like this kind of trophy right you can have them in the favela mm-hmm. you know you see them in i've been in the favela that's another conversation which we can get into and you can have them in the richest person's house you know so all of a sudden there's this new warrior trophy that's the surfboard and i thought okay now i can take this animal which i don't kill put it onto a surfboard and you have this kind of maybe an eco trophy where you don't have to kill the animal. And, you know, so now you have this, the idea of the beauty of these animals out into the world. You also see how fragile the world is, the beauty, you know, like that we're killing all these animals in order for their skins or, you know, to get rid of forests, to have logging and, or to grow soybeans or to graze cattle, which are, you know, not, not exactly environmentally friendly. And I thought, okay, so I can make this new object that brings us a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So the conversation, so how do you get that conversation out there? If the conversation is just in an art gallery, you know, you do a show in an art gallery and 300 people see it, you know, mm-hmm. if you're lucky. Yeah. And if you don't get a review, you know, it's like no one even knows it happened. So, you know, representation went through these changes, and then you have something like computers, right? So photography allowed for the invention of abstraction, because what's it took over the idea? So there are always different language systems that take over the notion of communication. And we have a new language system, and it's the language system of information, Mm -hmm. technology. And how I got into using the x-rays in my work was I was in Paris, and I was doing a show of portraits mm-hmm. with Benamo at that gallery. I think it was called, I don't know if it was, he started out at Gallery du Genie, but I think mm-hmm. the second gallery was maybe Albert Benamo. I don't know. We'll look at the catalog. But anyway, so I thought it would be really interesting to take technology and reinvent the notion of portraiture. Because portraiture then now is about identification, right? So now you're using medical records forensic records, you're using DNA, you're using blood samples to figure out, you know, like what identifies a human being. 
So then I did a show in Paris that included electron microscopes, x-rays, sonograms, just all these different ways that you could reinvent the portrait. And, you know, the Renaissance notion of portraiture was if you look through the eyes, right, if you got the eyes right, you could look into the soul, mm-hmm. right, of the person depicted. Yes. And now we can literally look inside. So with information technology and science, we have this new idea about what the person is, right? So instead of just the image and the exterior, it's now a combination of all this information. It's genetics, it's your family history that you're looking up. You send your blood in or or a hair sample, and now you have this idea of who you are, right? Who you are is now linked to a series of generations. So you went to CERN and you conducted interviews, and how did that change your perception of what was going on at CERN and their creativity? So the part of CERN that I visited and spent time with is called the theory group. Mm -hmm. The theory group has nothing to do with practical physics. Mm -hmm. Well, it has something to do with practical physics, but one of the things they're looking for is string theory, Mm -hmm. supersymmetry. Mm -hmm. Supersymmetry is that for every particle in the standard model, there's an opposite particle. Mm-hmm. So that there's a symmetrical universe and for every for all matter there's antimatter, right? None of this stuff they've quite, you know, figured out at all. It's theoretical and it doesn't have a lot to do with the actual collisions that they're doing, you know, in the accelerator. But but the one of the jokes was the idea is to get make the craziest prediction possible and be the first person to make it, and then you'll win the Nobel if it comes true, uh-huh. right? So they're sitting around in this separate area of CERN coming up with, you know, wild ideas and possible theories, mm-hmm. and, you know, if they're the first person to make it up and it happens mm-hmm. to come true, then they'll win the Nobel. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like the joke about theory, but... There's a playful sense of mathematics, and there's also an aesthetic experience, especially for mathematics. But as an artist, I, without really knowing the math that well, I can't claim to think that, it's, that I would understand the aesthetics and beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, cultures before ours, you know, they took the most beautiful person mm-hmm. and young, you know, usually young maiden, they mm-hmm. threw her in the cenote, and they killed her. And they made a sacrifice of that young woman in order to have a better harvest. Mm-hmm. You know, they made their sacrifice to the gods. Mm-hmm. Everybody that witnessed that event understood the symbolic nature of that event. In that symbolism lies the power of the gesture. You know, you don't have to murder someone in order to have a powerful gesture, but in those cultures, it's very clear the symbolization, the symbolism, and the power of that gesture. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how do you restore the power and the symbolic nature of art? Because when it traffics only as commerce and as objecthood, then it's, you know, it's like what Marxism says: everything will be reified, right? All relationships will be reified if all relationships are turned into a dollar value, then, you know, you lose the symbolic meaning of of the art. And that's something that is harder to get that voice to be heard now in this world of data and commerce. At the same time, it's the language system in order to get the message out. So for me, commerce is one of the tools that's there, and it's it's a possibility to get more people involved in the dialogue. 
a bigger fish. Yeah. It was so big that we couldn't X-ray it, so we put it into. I went into an MRI machine mm-hmm. and did a CT 3D uh, modeling, yeah. but. You know, the idea of, you're talking about movement, so, I mean, the reason the surfboard is there is because there's this movement of a surfboard through the wave, right? Yeah. And, and it's moving organically with nature, and that's just something that I wanted to reinforce by including that object. Mm-hmm. And then also making it more than just the proscenium, like the us-them perspective, mm-hmm. which is Western civilization, and kind of play with that notion that it's more than you know that this comes into our physical reality mm-hmm. which is another kind of object which is surfboard i mean paintings are considered objects but it's just keeping this dialogue going in a very fluid way so it doesn't get choked up it can move into lots of different directions well, i think it's very beautiful because you've put your your artworks uh, onto um, these works of art that we can live with. I see you're wearing a T-shirt now, again, with one of these themes that you've... I don't know what kind of fish that is. That's a piranha. Piranha. Okay, so you're wearing a piranha. So it's very interesting because you give us these everyday moments of meditation or these beautiful scarves that allow us to think about it or or the, or the carpets or the rugs, and we get to move with the art. And I, I think that's, yeah, as you rightly identify, it is something that is missing from much of the museum gallery space art. Well, it gets, it gets blocked. It's a great place mm-hmm. to have art. I mean, that's a, a really worthwhile experience. It's one of the best experiences I can think of. Yes. But um, Sometimes it doesn't leave. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, so Derrida gave this lecture that I heard at Columbia, mm-hmm. and the lecture was called Universities are the Businessmen of Knowledge. Mm-hmm. And what he was trying to say is that You know, it was was at Columbia, I think he gave this, is that universities train everybody to be businessmen and because, or business people. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the reason why is because they have to support themselves. And if these business people go out into the world and make money, they can then take some of the money they've made and support the institution. So there's kind of an efficiency to learning. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of philosophy is it's so hard to understand the language is, there can be three or four meanings to the way a word is used. And in that imprecision and in that fluidity, Derrida's contention was knowledge stays alive. So knowledge stays alive by, in my opinion, I agree with Derrida, I agree with Baudrillard, I agree with Foucault. So Foucault is saying, well, he's saying two things. In the archaeology of knowledge, he talks about the epistemological breaks right, that causes change in consciousness. And that's what I lectured on at CERN, how scientific developments change the way we think. And we gave examples of relationships and things like that. Now I'm completely lost about why I'm talking about this. Oh, I know. the business of education. So, you know, the idea about not being just in the museum, and the museum is fabulous, but if you're just only locked in that conversation, then you're prevent you know by staying loose and fluid and being more confusing you're actually keeping the dialogue alive we hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast to listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews click on subscribe thank you so much for listening